Hello and welcome to Plotrists. This is Lane. This is Meg. And today we're reviewing Facilitators by Audrey T.F. and Mira N.J. This was published in 2012 and is not the part of any series that we know of. I don't even think these authors have published anything else. Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, we can always check, but... To my knowledge, they have not. At least not under these pen names. Yes. Um, so, this was a Lane recommendation. Mm-hmm. So, way back in 2012, um, on Tumblr, <laughs> where all good stories start, I had used my fan, my Tumblr, this is like college age, mm-hmm. to like look at poetry and bits of writing and like fan edits of images from movies and TV shows I like. And so this Audrey TF woman is someone that based on like whatever fandoms I was following at the time was like often in my timeline. Okay. And she was a fan fiction author, but at the time she wasn't writing fan fiction in a like universe I followed. Sure. Like her, she just put up examples of her writing. And even when it wasn't like something I was into, Mm -hmm. I liked her writing. Yeah. And so she published on her again, Tumblr in 2012 mm-hmm. that she and I guess another fan fiction author but I'm not sure who this mirror person is um had decided to write a novella and self-publish on Amazon a novella specifically exploring the idea of tropes mm-hmm. because they often saw I guess fan fiction like I was I've obviously I've read fan fiction but right. I was never like in that sure. community and like truly understanding like what the meta analysis of fanfic was or what the trends were or anything mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I guess there was a trend at the time criticizing people for like using tropes as a crutch and therefore producing really shitty books yeah and her entire point was I'm going to use tropes really deliberately and excessively right and still churn out something entertaining to read yes like don't be lazy and say that the formulaic and tropey nature of in her case fan fiction but we can apply it obviously to romance novels makes it easy to dismiss Mm -hmm. judge the writing on its own merit separate from that absolutely so that was the entire reason this was published i have not gone on tumblr since 2013 i don't know (laughs) if this woman is still writing i don't know like what fandom she is if she's involved in she may have changed her screen name i have no idea who this person really is um but if you're interested in what we're talking about on the show today i believe it's available for like 99 cents still Mm -hmm. on amazon so um it's a fun little sexy tropey modern day romantic read it is a contemporary so should we read the the jacket i think so Eva, a woman thoroughly in control of her life, though not of her weakness for designer shoes, prefers her romantic interludes to be devoid of romance. Theo, a man whose dating efforts have been sabotaged by his dilapidated Corolla, hasn't had any interlude in almost a year. When both contact facilitators, a company specializing in arrangements of the interluding kind, Theo and Eva scratch their respective itches and then find themselves wondering what if anything, happens next. A sweet and spicy, mostly spicy, semi-traditional take on romantic comedies. Facilitators faces head-on the most urgent question of contemporary society. How many one-night stands are required to make a relationship? Also featuring appearances by a chocolate tort, Derek Jeter's gold gloves, and a very sturdy dining room table. Correct. I I mean I have no issues 
with the book jacket. Um, I do because it insults Derek Jeter. But so does the book. But so, so does the book. We'll get into that. I have another note about it. Uh, yeah, no, it's really cute. It's, I think it, it, the whole point of this, as I said, is that it doesn't have much substance. Mm -hmm. So this is an accurate summary. All right. Well, usually when we review novellas, we regenerate a random number between one and 25. I forgot that when, <laughs> when generating the random number. So for this, <laughs> for this novella of 25,000 words total, our random number summaries will be 46 words. <laughs> I honest to God think I read the novella faster than I wrote my summary. <laughs> I swear. Uh, here's my 46 word summary. Theo and Eva like sex. Theo and Eva like sex with each other. Theo and Eva also like spending time together. So what's the problem? Theo doesn't have the money he thinks women expect, while Eva doesn't have the space for a relationship. Can these dum-dums make it work? Thank you for the rhetorical ending question. <laughs> You're so welcome. As is your favorite trope. <laughs> it is. It's like my favorite book jacket trope. <laughs> uh, mine is, it's super convenient when the sex god you meet at a sex event is also perfect for you in every other way, including the mutually self-sabotaging emotional distance. When they realize they never discussed exclusivity, hurt feelings and misunderstandings ensue, resolved by a grand gesture, sex. Also very good. Thank very you. Good. Yeah. So we always start out by talking about the tropes in the books to, to, so you can decide like, are these tropes that I like? Are these tropes that I don't like? There are so many. It's, it, this section could go on for longer than the book. Right. It was the whole point of the book. You've got the woman in control with no space for a relationship. Mm -hmm. You've got the, we agree that we're just hooking up. Mm -hmm. You've got the hurt comfort. You've got the, like, hiding something crucial about yourself from a partner. You've yes. got the meddling best friend who's the one who's got a real talk cue. Mm -hmm. Not to mention some of the sex tropes themselves, the knocking everything off a table, right. and the fuck me pumps, and mm -hmm. the, like, I'm not exaggerating. It's the whole point of the book. It's, it's the point of the just book. just how tropey it is. Yeah. So, I, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if we want to keep this as a section for this one. Like, if we think of some that are particularly well done or particularly not well done, mm -hmm. which I can't think of one. I can't think of one that was like poorly executed. I mean, I think the most annoying one for me was how like not like the other girls TM it got at times. Sure. But this read to me more like in that aspect, the telling, the sexy telling of like a made for TV Christmas movies. Or right. We're like, obviously women are so much work and she's not. Right, right. Which I'm annoyed by, but also... I mean, yes, but it was... I mean, it, it went both ways in this one, did. too. So it, that would, didn't strike me quite as much. Uh, I mean, I there are tropes that I find more annoying than others. Sure. But I think that's the trope itself and not how well it was written. Or I agree with that. It was written. So... That, I'll give... That's completely fair. I think I'm tired of the depiction of... Not like the other girls. I think it's pointless. Right. But it's not that I think it was particularly badly done here. Exactly. So so we can just skip to the quality. Yeah. I, I mean, I did think the execution was really good, especially for, again, 25,000 word novella. The characters are more developed. I was pretty impressed with it. I mean, they are walking, talking tropes, but well-written ones. And um, internally consistent ones. Right. Uh, I did believe in the conflict. So we're going to spoil this book. It's hard not to. It's, again, it's very short. It's like six chapters. Five. 
Yeah, there you go. It's five chapters. <laughs> I told you it was short. When yeah. I was like, this will take us like a half hour. Yes. And um, so there's, there's, of course, the part where, so they've been hooking up for like two months. Mm-hmm. And at the end of it, so they meet at this facilitator's mixer. And then she can't attend the next mixer. They happen every month. She can't attend the next mixer because she twists her ankle. And then at the final, so the next month, she's like, I'm going to the mixer. And he's like, you're going. Like, I don't want you to go. And she's like, we agree. This was just sex. There were no emotions. And so he's like, fine. So he goes to the mixer. She goes to the mixer. She backs out, but he doesn't. So. (laughs) Which, let's talk about a trope. Mm-hmm. The yeah. like he was fine with exclusive, she wasn't, and then she's mad at him right. when he like follows up on what she said to do. Yes. So on the one hand, I actually I felt for her mm-hmm. because she was like, I thought that she was like, I felt so emotional about this. I kind of assumed that he would feel as emotional as I did. But then he's upset because he's like, You were the one who told me that we weren't exclusive. You were the one who forced me, you know, in quotation marks to go to this event, what was I supposed to do back out? And she's like, well, that's what I did. I I actually did believe both sides. I also loved the specific tropiness of the turn of phrase of how that one is resolved mm-hmm. because she's like, tell me she was terrible. And he was like, she was fantastic. And I didn't care because she wasn't you. <laughs> and I was like, yes. <laughs> she was fantastic, but it was the worst sex of my life. <laughs> I was bored the whole time. <laughs> the, the fact that you called me when I was with her and I picked up should tell you everything. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I I actually believed it. I actually felt sympathetic to both characters. Yeah. In that moment, I was like, oh. And I was like, well, that's good writing. Yeah. Right? Uh, and then I did like that it ended with a happily at for now. Yes. Which was completely appropriate for this, you know, meet at a sex club fuck buddies for two months now we've decided to be exclusive basically right it's like, great we've, we've sort of eliminated our major conflict and now can try our hand at having a real relationship mm-hmm. and i have to be honest no real sense of if it would have been a happily ever after or not i don't think you get enough from either of them about who they are and what they want from the world but i don't think it matters but i don't think it matters exactly um i could see this working as the intro novella to a series and then the first book would be about his best friend. Oh, yeah. You know, and then sometimes you see these two, these couples, and you're like, see, facilitators works. But it's not meant to work for that. <laughs> I know. That's true. That's true. But anyway. So one of the things I really enjoyed about this mm-hmm. is that it dives right in. Like, yes. It doesn't pretend to be anything other than what it is. They are literally hooking up on, like, page five. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, like, and they are mid makeout when they stop to be like, oh, wait, what was your name? Right. <laughs> What's your name again? They're making out like in a taxi. Was this too much for you? I thought it was a fun carriage hookup. Like, <laughs> I know. I know you have opinions about New York and making out in New York in certain places. Okay. So. Our cab's kind of gross. Yes. Do I think it's extremely rude to do that to a taxi driver? Also, yes. But I think I read it more as like a, a play on the historic taxi hookup, the mm-hmm. carriage hookup, mm-hmm. so that I, I liked that. Sure. Drive on. <laughs> like, where's the address? And like the whole just shove a pile of money at him and run. Right? <laughs> oh my gosh. There's that. There's a whole lot about baseball, in my opinion, for a short novella. It's mentioned like three times. 
Baseball is what he thinks. So he's a numbers guy. Yeah. And he thinks about baseball when he's trying not to get off. Right. I need to last. So but he specifically insults Dare Cheater. Yes. But here's the thing. On the one hand, as a Yankee fan, I'm personally insulted by it. Dare Cheater is a hero. And the defensive metrics used to criticize him are like invalid in my opinion. But more to the point, the argument about whether or not Derek Jeter was a good defensive shortstop is one of the tropiest conversations in baseball. Uh So in some level, like, I do not believe these women are Yankee fans. I think they picked this as of, like, kind of getting their own baseball fandom in there. But literally one of the most played out conversations in all of sports is, do these defensive metrics mean anything? Was Derek Jeter valuable or is he the most overrated player of all time? Yeah. And so to have that be the through line, like how tropey is it that a man is thinking about sports to not get off? And mm-hmm. to be thinking about this specific thing in sports uh-huh. just leans into the it's true point of this even further. It's true. And I mean, the, the way she realizes that, uh-oh, she's catching feelings is that she's watching TV and she sees an infomercial for a gift for the sports lover in your life. And she thinks, oh, Theo would like that. And then she goes, oh, no, too many feelings. (laughs) Gotta break up. I want to buy him a Christmas present. (laughs) Who am I? Like, again, trope, 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 trope. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. um, How was I supposed to feel about Theo being not as rich as he wanted to be? I think... Again, trope for a guy to feel like he needs to be the owner in a earner in a relationship and to be insecure about it if he's not. Like I think all of that maps up. I didn't I read it more as a okay, dude, way to be so insecure that you're projecting this uh-huh. all over the place. Yeah. I thought it was interesting that that they chose to make this sympathetic hero in 2012 a stockbroker. Yeah. I was like, hmm, interesting. Just an interesting choice because and, and, yeah, I, I wouldn't have guessed that, you know, a, a stockbroker who's not rich, be, but he doesn't, he feels bad about not being rich. Right. You know? There's not a whole lot of thought yeah. from Theo about his job. Like, you know how he feels about being a stockbroker, why he picked being a stockbroker. Well, he's like, because he or... likes numbers and then... Well, right, like, you understand that he's a numbers guy, but like, right. why he's actually in this field as opposed to something that doesn't have the moral right. connotation of stockbroking. I don't... I have no idea, but, um, my, I, I, yeah, I definitely read it as like a, you're, you're supposed to find it a little bit not yeah. attractive. Yeah. And there's a lot of, conspicuous, not him not having money, the, him being him so feeling, insecure about it. There's a lot of conspicuous consumption in the book. Mm-hmm. And again, for such a short novella, you have, I ask myself what, like, what is this supposed to mean? Why is this, why is this what they've chosen? I'm still not sure why they've chosen to make her you know, love Louboutin. Like one the when you meet Eva, the first scene she's in, she's buying a pair of Louboutins. Louboutins? Yes. Why do you call them Louboutins? I don't know. Louboutin. Oh my god, Louboutins. Okay, so <laughs> can't handle you. Uh, because I don't want I would never I I love shoes and I would never spend that much money on those. I know. So I, I would guess again, projecting, don't actually know, again, extension of the trope thing. Mm-hmm. I think often high-powered women, like, in media have manifested it in shoes and, mm-hmm. like, in conspicuous consumption of specifically accessories and fancy 
dinners and like I don't know I'm thinking of every Hallmark original Christmas movie I've ever seen Mm -hmm. where like the woman in the big city is running to the mall and overpaying for a cashmere sweater to just take to the right they or like the overpriced dinners at places that are meant to be seen I think this is even in the like Harlequin romances I've read Mm -hmm. like kind of picking up on the conspicuous consumption that is so often in those I mean like come on the billionaire's bride and oh sure yeah I mean, ultimately, I don't think it matters that much because I don't, I don't think there was supposed to be an underlying meaning. No, I think it was just supposed to be like, this is really present in contemporary. Yeah. And I will say, you know, I don't feel like I, it didn't bother me to have it as fictional characters. Would I be friends with these people in real life? Probably not. Probably not. Does that like, would I be friends with, uh, would I be friends with like everyone that I read about in my favorite books? Also, probably not. So, again, ultimately, doesn't really matter. I read this more as, look how tropey these characters are, mm-hmm. than trying to make them likable. Sure, sure. I just wasn't sure. So you think that this is deploy trope, buy some expensive shoes? Yeah, sort of. Yeah. That's my that's my guess. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, anyway. Anything else you want to say? I think this is a novella. We, I'm not going to beat, beat it to death and talk about every element of yeah. it right now. I think content warnings... They're the only two real characters in the book. They each have one friend who Mm -hmm. is named and, like, some unnamed service staff. Right. (laughs) Um, So it's kind of hard to have a ton of content warnings when there's a whopping grand total of four characters in a book. I mean, there there are two sex parties. They meet at one of them. They meet at one of them, and he kind of cheats on her. If you really hate infidelity, you would probably dislike that. Yeah, they're definitely not in a relationship mm-hmm. at the time, but if it's very important to you that the second your protagonists meet, there is never a thought of another person, mm-hmm. that's not the case yeah. here. Yep. Um, also, I put insulting Derek Shooter, but I think we talked about that one. Uh, sexiness. Okay, I'm going to be honest. Lane told me, she was like, we should check this out. It's this really cool trope book, tropey book. It's about a sex party. And I was like, cool. I'm like ready for it. I think I was expecting something sexier. And that may be my fault for setting <laughs> expectations. I mean, this is, again, five chapters and they have sex in all of them. Yes. they. There's a lot of sex. It's not very, it's not like long sex. No, it's not. I think not. that's, and I, it's not an issue. I'm just saying in case you're like, wait a minute, this book is about two people who hook up and like this, the entire book is about them being fuck buddies. There's a lot of sex in it, but I agree with you. The sex scenes aren't long. This is not like the sexiest thing I've ever read. Right. But I think what is there is sexy and the two of them together are sexy and there's a lot of fun. She's got a really fun shower head and like a lot of fun settings within like conspicuous consumption, New York penthouse. There are a lot of fun. There are a lot of fun settings. I will definitely give it that much. There's the taxi cab. There's a public restroom. But it was also very sexy. It may have been the sexiest one, which it, is a problem. I agree. I was like, ooh. And I was like, how's Lane going to feel about that one? Yeah, no, it was pretty hot. Um, there's an elevator. Yep. Elevator. Um, dining room table. Any, I mean, it's just the any flat surface trope, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> oh, oh, any and all. <laughs> any and all. Yes, yeah, so I certainly wouldn't put this up with like, I don't know what the sexiest thing I've ever read is off the top of my head right now. But like for your run of the mill historical romance author, this is more explicit than that. Yeah, but it's, I would say, like, I think Lisa Kleypas is sexier. Like, her sex scenes are sexier in general. 
this is just denser. Yes. It's its own thing. So like it is sexy. I agree with you, Meg. It's not the point of this is the tropiness yeah. and the pornography, not the pornography in and of itself. Yeah. I yeah. I don't know if I would pick this book up to get off specifically. No, it it walks the line of a one-handed read. I yeah. agree with you. Yeah, 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 for sure. But I don't regret reading it. I had a very good time. It's cute. It's yeah. short and it's I think when you spend as much time as you and I do talking about tropes within romance, having a book that says, no, 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 that's why we're doing this is a really cool concept. Yes. And I'm like, yes, th I agree though, but I agree. Like that's one of the things I like most about romance is seeing how the tropes are used and, but in a unique way, right? Absolutely. So, well, thank you guys so much for listening. Again, if you want to check this one out, I think the only place you're going to find it is Amazon. Mm -hmm. it, it took me a really long time to, to even find it on Goodreads, I'm going to be honest. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. But I did find it. Well, again, I, I don't mean this disparagingly. They are not authors. They don't have a publication history or publishers or like these were literally just two people who were like, hey, we're going to do this thing for fun and might yeah. as well put it up on Amazon self-published. Well, and I will tell you, it's better than like, 85% of self-published stuff? Is that mean? Is that horrible to say? I don't know that I have enough of a frame of reference, but I believe that like the that editing, value. The editing is good. The grammar is good. There are no issues with that. Like, that's what I'm... And reading the ebook, like, the formatting's great. Like, you don't struggle with the transition between chapters or between sections. Yeah, so, and that's what I mean. I'm not saying to all the indie authors that I read, because I read a lot of indie authors as well, I'm not saying that the books are bad or that the books are necessarily worse, but like the editing and how tight it is and how well published it is, I think is really good. So if you're interested, check it out. Again, it's Facilitators. And thank you guys so much for listening. We would also love it if you checked us out around the internet, anywhere you can find Flaptrists.